Greetings, Agent. Accessing system. Opening, that time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga. Our heated adventures over analyzing manga we find interesting. Codename, the over manga cast. Now opening communications. Greetings, agents. This week, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is Spy X Family, written by one Tatsuyo Endo. I've prepared a dossier in the following transcript of chapters 1 through 18, which uh, should give you enough foreknowledge before you dive in, bringing you just about to the end of the Stellar Star arc. Good luck, agents, and always remember, who is number one? everyone welcome to the over manga cast my name is sam and uh familiarity with this uh particular property uh i had next to none until i watched a uh mother's basement video and jeff was like yeah no this manga is really good you should check it out it's funny and cute and i'm like all right and we put it on the reading list and it was funny and it's cute now we're gonna talk about it a whole bunch jacob what was your familiarity with the spy x family up to now Honestly, even less. I had absolutely no idea anything about this going into it. Totally cold read for me. All right, Jay, how about you? I probably had the least amount of exposure compared to anyone on the podcast because I, even when we were discussing what we were going to read next, I had never heard this is not um, enter anywhere of my ethosphere. Um, and so I was going on completely blind and yeah oh yeah uh, matt here um i guess i have the most experience somehow uh in that i saw uh, a few of the reaction images of this posted and uh, i had someone recommend this uh, manga to me specifically with the phrase this is the best manga in shonen jump that is never going to get an anime and i'm like oh cool that's uh, something i'm gonna read at some point and then I never did that until I had a manga discussion podcast. So. <laughs> it is a bloody tragedy that this will probably never get an anime. I know that that phrasing is true just because of the way like Shonen Jump is known for battle manga and those getting animes. And this is very much not that. But man, this is a show. If only because we need we need to actually hear with our ears how cute Anya is. <laughs> We uh, open up in this in a kind of Cold War setting. We're essentially in West East Germany with all of the serial numbers filed off. Yeah, mm -hmm. they do the bare minimum. Like you see some place called Hamburg, but with like one letter removed. They're not even ultra clear about the dates because I think the Iron Curtain is still up, but they literally mentioned the Iron Curtain at one point. Yeah, they say since the Iron Curtain was raised, with the the aesthetic implies that it's the time period where there it would still be in existence, but they never really address it directly. It's a very uh, apolitical spy, yeah, fiction. Like we don't even know who our main character. Essentially, you can assume based on how he looks and like the general portrayal as a hero but other than that you really don't know who he's working for a lot of the like spy versus spy stuff is kind of framed as being arbitrary it doesn't really matter which side it just matters that both sides are currently equal 
because yeah. one side getting the advantage is bad. So this is this is the Cold War. It's an incredibly tense political situation with a very tenuous peace. The one big distinction, which is actually super important for the character dynamics that they do make between the two sides, is at least from what the audience is told, because if this gets subverted at some point in the future, I would not be shocked. The side of our main character, Twilight, his side wants to prevent a war between the two countries, whereas his the the person that he's um, going after to gather intelligence from, he's specifically uh, depicted as a warmonger. That's kind of important for um, the character dynamics going forward once we uh, establish the main trio. We open up with our our uh, dashing spy hero, the greatest spy in all of Westalis, I believe that I believe it's called the Great Twilight, who is a master of disguise. So masterful, in fact, that um, he is on page from like panel one and we don't even realize it. It's a Mission Impossible mask. We start in media rays with him in the middle of a mission. He is uh supposedly handing off some incriminating blackmail on a prime minister to or he's receiving foreign it. agents. He's receiving it. This is going to be one of the extremely few complaints that I have, but that sequence was not well paneled because I had no idea what was going on. It is a little confusing. It's not really even there to be meant to be understood, though. It's really what you're supposed to take away from that scene is, wow, Twilight's such a cool spy. He's so cool, which which indeed is in its own way praise. Because that's probably the worst thing that I can say about this whole thing. And it's almost a backhanded compliment anyway. So, man, this man's name is Twilight, but he operate like a night cast. And there's my one exalted joke for the episode. Moving on. <laughs> if we can limit you to one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we also very quickly established the tone in this because uh, Twilight, you know, was intercepting this blackmail about the prime minister of the insert country here. And it was shots revealing that the prime minister wears a toupee. It's sort of like inherently silly in the way that it's framed, but it's also like if you read it as a metaphor, like this could be the opening of like a, a thrilling spy drama. And they start off talking about like political assassination, starting a war that could erupt not just into a regional war, but a world war. And then the blackmail photos are of a toupee coming off, and that's apparently enough to get the guy to resign. <laughs> like, they're they're very clear about how seriously you're supposed to take this very early on. And it is delightful in that. I'll say up front, this manga does a very good job of balancing, because it is a comedy, it is a slice-of-life comedy before anything else. And it does a good job of balancing that. Well, also, you know, having... Uh, the characters involved in some fairly heavy topics. Oh, yeah. And like the thing that struck me about this, the emotional stakes of the characters feel like high drama. You mm. are so or at least I was so invested in these people's lives and and seeing, you know, their hopes and dreams unfold. But man, it does not take itself seriously internally. <laughs> and it is it is riotously funny. I think I think it was the previous episode I uh, or maybe the one before that where I mentioned, um, you know, sometimes I don't phrase things particularly well. The tone of this story is very not serious, but it's so well crafted and internally consistent that like it grabs you and makes you feel right from the very beginning it is non-stop 
in terms of plot advancement, which is kind of rare for a slice of life because mm. our boy Twilight, he finishes this mission almost immediately as he is throwing away the uh, false identity that he had for this mission, gets contacted by uh, the Wistalis internal intelligence special. I, I don't know, but the acronym yeah. is WISE. Right before he gets that mission, an important bit is uh, part of his disguise was being engaged to this to the man he was disguised as daughter. And we cut to them being at dinner and him breaking up with her as she thinks he's going to propose. It's so brutally casual, so nonchalant. And he's just like, yeah, so and, and she's opposes the question like we've been dating for a while. So when are you going to, you know, move to the next level? Um, I think we should break up. Deadpan. Our conversations reveal that you're not a very uh, intelligent person, and that's really what I'm looking for. So uh, <laughs> he says almost exactly that, and he's not even looking her in the face. Like it is so. <laughs> and the big thing is, as he's walking away from that, he throws away the glasses he was wearing because that was his disguise, and with that, everything attached to that is equally thrown in the trash. He is moving <laughs> on to the next thing because he is a man who is dedicated to his country, a wife. Children, family, all of those things are completely beyond me. And because this is a comedy manga, guess what his mission is? <laughs> <laughs> the next mission, Operation Strix. He has to get close to the warmongering far-right political leader of uh, the nation of Estonia. And in order to, to get near this reclusive man, he has to integrate himself into the social circles of an elite private school. So he needs a family. He specifically needs to find a wife and make a child in the next yep. week. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Something that I really <laughs> wanted to say about earlier was that you guys seem really invested in Twilight and his and you seem to really like his how they approached his background and really how it kind of draws you in. I didn't feel that in the beginning. I felt kind of really detached just because I don't know, in my mind, he seemed as more of like a like a job man. So it's just kind of like, oh, he's going from plot to plot to plot. His motivation for even pursuing this line of work is very vague and not very specific. Obviously, I ended up liking the reading we did, but it was just it took me a while to kind of get any connection to Twilight, just because for me, from my point of view, it seemed like he was just so um, detached as a character, like purposely, like purposely detached. But it was just kind of. That's a valid interpretation, actually. Like, if you go through the characterization of Twilight in the initially, you can either read into what he's saying, like he's speaking, like, very heartfelt in his internal monologue, or you can read his internal monologue as all business, and you get two drastically different pictures of him. Yeah, that's kind of where I was just like, oh, so, you know, it took me a while to kind of warm up to him because I was like, okay, this is obviously just another job for him. And the shenanigans kind of just was more surrounding him. Insert whatever character you want here. Also, when he dumps his fiance, he dumps her hard. Yeah. 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 And I actually <laughs> sided. No, I actually sided with the girlfriend there because, I mean, like her entire everything shattered because obviously she still doesn't have an explanation. Yeah, she was clearly invested in the relationship. And the fact that he like shed the facade right in front of her is just kind of like it makes you question everything. You know, it's like not only is he not who he said he was, like is anything what what it's what what you it know, seems what it seems. And that's kind of a big theme of this manga. Like it literally opens with a brief monologue about how everybody has a hidden self that they don't present to anybody, not even those closest to them. But is that true or is that just a dialogue that they're trying to really push? 
because there are a lot of like um, moments where Twilight has these asides where he assumes obviously everyone is masking, everyone's hiding, everyone has some kind of not trauma, but some kind of difficult um, or ulterior piece. motive at least. Yes, I th- I think that's kind of the uh, the crux of Twilight or his like character development is, you know, realizing the thin veneer of peace, you know, everybody wears a mask. That isn't always the case. Mm. And you need to sometimes just learn to trust. I I, I do want to address what Jay said about, you know, getting invested in him right off the start. Uh, I I am with you a bit on, like, not being super invested in him as a character, but he, like, him as the vehicle for the story, at least in the very beginning. By the end of chapter one, which was, like, a super extended, long, you know, pilot chapter. I saw the page count and my heart sank. I was terrified for a second until I checked ahead. <laughs> well, welcome to Shonen Jump. Their first <laughs> chapters are normally like 75 and then their second chapters are normally around 50 because they get you hooked on the first two chapters and then. And then it goes down to between yeah. 20 and 30. Yeah, it's just I I had forgotten that. But like in the first three fourths, I'll say, of chapter one, I'm I, I'm basically with Jay at that point that I'm not super invested in Twilight as a person. I was more interested in him as a vehicle for the story and the incoming shenanigans. Uh, By the end of it, when we get a bit of his backstory, I was like, okay, I can see where like the hooks of an interesting character are in here. Yeah, that is actually a really important point, because I think I did say something to the effect of I was sucked in by the characters right away. Twilight is a character who there's a delicate narrative balance that the mangaka has to strike of making all of the characters' deceptions equally sympathetic. And what I mentioned about it being important that the country that uh, Twilight works for is trying to stop an imminent war as opposed to just trying to advantage should a war come. He has like a moral high ground. Thanks, Notice for uh, learning me stuff about spies. His backstory is very fitting of a spy, but it's not really until he interacts with other characters. He is the cool guy spy. And like, the number one thing of his comedy notes in this are him being this cool, suave character reacting to the absolute absurdity that he has found himself accidentally in. Like he he goes off on his mission. He gets his one family apartment. He talks up about how much he loves his family to the buy he, the guy he buys the apartment from and then immediately goes to the sleaziest orphanage he can find. <laughs> because there'll be less paperwork. And the guy who runs this orphanage looks like Mario after Peach took everything in the divorce. <laughs> also, it implies there are several orphanages of equal status in this city, which makes sense. Remember, this is this is Europe and it's also not you know, Eastern Europe. Too. Yeah, it's, it's that yeah. side of the Iron Curtain is the thing. So, yeah, that tra- like I, I think occasionally this um the way we're set, we see like the high society parts. I think we're skimming over occasionally how down some of the areas are. But this this orphanage is essentially he walks in, goes, I would like to buy one child, please. But only if they can read and write. Yeah, I think I got a kid over here for you. I'll I'll get rid of the really creepy one. (laughs) I'm just saying, there's no background check. What are your intentions for these children? I I Uh, wonder (laughs) how this man came into all these children. But this is where we meet um, the best character in the entire manga, Anya. Little Anya sitting in front of the TV watching her spy show. Yeah. Oh my God, Anya. She is precious small beeb. 
and I will fight anyone and everyone to protect her. I've only known Anya for 17 chap. If anything happened to her, I'd kill everyone in this room and then myself. She is very clearly going to be our next main character in this because she fits everything uh, Twilight needs to a T. She can read and write. Interestingly, she appears to be a little young for what he's looking for. He needs someone who is age six because that is the entry requirements to... Um, very much wants to leave with him. Yeah, the Academy. And uh, unfortunately, Anya appears to be only four or five. That's actually one sort of important thing. Anya actually has the most mysterious backstory of any of the characters we've been uh, introduced to up to this point. She's definitely scrawnier than the other six-year-olds when she's put against the other, but like she could also just be scrawny. Like we don't know anything about it. She's been rehomed so many times because this is like her third or fourth family. I think it's the fourth time she's been taken. Yeah, and we don't know why. Like, do people mysteriously disappear? That's in the background check on her, actually. When they find out she's been to multiple homes. The big thing we find out about Anya that I'm amazed we talked about her this much and not gone into. She can read minds, which is interesting because every question Twilight answers to her, she gives the exact answer that gets her out of this orphanage, which I don't think she's six then. <laughs> <laughs> because she immediately says six, because that's the number Twilight needed to hear to take her out of the orphanage. The only thing we know from a brief flashback that Anya has is that she was experimented on by some weirdos, and now she's a telepath. And like, when it comes down to things like um, her like mental development, things like her ability to read and write, it's kind of impossible to guess her age. Since she can read the minds of adults, gain massive amounts of information on people, she can act like she's 20 at times mm -hmm. and then alternatively she acts you know whatever her actual age is and it's really hard to get a read on her funnily enough she is incredibly incorrigible that like even the hard-hearted super spy twilight it begins acquiescing to her demands near immediately because he's like <laughs> you will call me father as the elite do and she goes papa and he says very well <laughs> the reason Anya wants so desperately to go with uh, Twilight is because she reads his mind immediately and goes, wait a second, this guy's a spy? So cool. Spies are so cool, just like my favorite cartoon. And that is the sole reason she goes with him. There's a few touch and go moments where, you know, she isn't as competent as her initial interview with Twilight suggests <laughs> because, you know, she does just read the answers that he wants to hear out of his head. There are moments where her telepathy makes Twilight question his choice. He thinks something uh, in passing to himself about how crowds are dangerous because enemies could be lurking and and Anya run. Yeah, at one point, a character we will meet in the future, who is also precious and amazing, uh, is commenting, oh, she's so cute, like my little brother. I need to be careful when hugging her, though. I once broke my little brother's ribs from hugging him too hard, and Anya immediately runs. <laughs> <laughs> Twilight, being the responsible new dad that he is, takes her home and then immediately leaves the six-year-old child uh, <laughs> unsupervised so he can go and meet up with his spy contacts. Well, first he takes his little girl shopping because his house currently has nothing in it. He's in full spy mode at this point. Like he's not even really put on the mask because like he tells Anya that I'm adopting you to get, you know, you're getting out of the orphanage and living with me now. But you have to say that I've always been your father. One thing that I love that this series was able to do, the three principal characters they're upfront with the person who would be most betrayed if the lie came out. Twilight never 
says to Anya, I'm actually adopting you as my actual child. Like, he's very upfront with it about it. Because he's upfront, you basically avoid that melodrama. They find a way for these characters who are lying about so much to each other, the important things that uh, they don't lie about, unless they're lying to themselves, because Twilight becomes her actual dad so fast. I mean, she accepts him as her actual dad, like immediately when they get home from shopping because he's so tired from doing everything. He crawls up onto the couch to fall asleep for a bit and she's just he like, curls oh, up in his arms. cuddles. <laughs> it's so cute, man. Immediately he freaks out. <laughs> oh, my, my other favorite part, too, is when um, they're shopping and she goes, Papa, I want a silenced pistol. Maybe if we find one on sale. Because she knows he's a spy, she means a real one. She's really cute. She immediately jumps into this because the big thing about uh, Anya, she also needs to lie because the one thing we get from her flashback is the scientist telling her never let anyone know you could read their minds or else they'll think you're weird and get rid of you. Planted that in her mind. This is seems to be deliberate obfuscation from the audience. We don't know if she got her powers from the lab that she was being experimented at or if she was at that lab because she had either way. They were experimenting on this small child. Letting people know that you're supernatural is a really quick way to get yourself, uh, you know, kidnapped by mad scientists. Yeah. And basically, to wrap up uh, the father daughter time we get, uh, they come home and um, because Twilight is so tired from just wandering around from crowds. We also get the scene a bit that uh, Anya does not like crowds because there are so many people around her. She is constantly hearing their thoughts. Over mental stimulation. She's got a little cute little nosebleed from like, this is too much. She does seem to be able to focus on like drowning out things that she doesn't need to hear, but she's also very, very young, so she doesn't have particularly good control over her powers yet. Unfortunately, this this overstimulation, this situation is easily explainable because, you know, people can be overwhelmed and afraid of crowds. Mm hmm. And that's how that's how um, uh, Twilight and later uh, another character will read these reactions when they see them. Our first step of Operation Strix, get Anya into Eden Academy, which um, shouldn't be that hard because uh, she just needs to have the answers drilled into her head. Well, she already said she can read and write. I mean, that's already spectacular. And she's just planning to read minds. Yep. That doesn't go as well, but. <laughs> you know, there are a bunch of cases where like Anya is be studying for test and she just i'll just read the minds of the other kids the other kids are just <laughs> as stupid and ill-prepared as you are because, um what we get we we kind of steamroll through her uh, application into eden academy she has to take a test in a class she basically doesn't do any of this she does a little bit of the studying that um twilight eventually forces her to do uh but then she goes in going like yeah, i'm a genius i'll just read everyone's minds she does not understand the pass rate for this school is like one in a hundred so of the hundred people in the room she's taking the test with 99 are also idiots <laughs> i can't allow us to go any further without commenting on something twilight's uh pseudonym that he's operating under is lloyd forger yeah it's pretty great yeah the spy is using the surname of Forger. <laughs> That's a legitimate for surname. I don't understand. I don't would understand. totally trust Surnames me. are always referred to by your profession. Yeah. We get another ridiculous example of this in a bit. But yeah, Anya barely passes the exam to get in. Like, literally, 
just above the failing rate. Yeah, we're not told what the scale is. It's a 31. It's it's a low score, but it is enough to get her like into the next step. To an interview or whatever. But unfortunately, yeah. there is a requirement that comes with the in-person interview. Both yeah, they get parents must be in attendance. Yes. And we do not have a wife. There is no mama. What? There is no mama. And uh, when Lloyd, air quotes, goes to, out to try and solve this problem, uh, Anya, in her eternal incorrigibleness, decides that she wants to play with the cool spy toys <laughs> and accidentally broadcasts on all uh, channels. Twilight is here. Catch me if you can. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how on accident that was. That seemed very on purpose. It's it's less so that she did it on accident. Consequences of her actions. <laughs> yep. Which honestly is why I say she's such a well-written child character. She's able to pick the intelligence of people much smarter than her by reading their minds, but she's still a little kid. She also purposefully sets up enemy spies to attack their home, so she is kidnapped, so daddy has to save her. Twilight very masterfully uh, takes out the home invaders who were left behind for him so that they could gank him but they got Anya and they took her away he disguises as one of the uh one of the thugs to to infiltrate the scene this honestly I think is probably the point where Twilight shifts as a character from being an interesting you know Bond type character to being more emotionally engaging because he even points out in his own mind there's a panel of someone sneaking up on Twilight and it's framed in such a way to make it seem like, you know, he got knocked out and the minion who had snuck up on him is dragging in someone unconscious with a bag over their head. Um, and it turns out the guy with the bag over his head is the actual minion. Twilight had a Mission Impossible mask on. And in his internal monologue, he points out, I literally just could have walked away and found another kid. Why am I doing this? And that's when he has his flashback to when he himself was a small child in a rubble-strewn, war-torn street, all alone with no one to come help him when he was alone and scared. And that's why he does this spy gig. He wants to create a world of peace where children don't have to cry in fear like, I believe it, and he's not going to let this little girl be in that situation. Yeah, it's basically anyone but the children. What was that? I'm, I'm getting flashbacks to Adventure Times. I'm going to rescue everyone, but only the babies. I think the first like really effective um, emotional scene was when he evaluates why he's doing not this particular action of saving Anya, but why he's a spy in the first place. Like that was the point where uh, I was sucked in and uh, Spy X family had completely sold me. Like I ultimately want Anya and Twilight to be honest with each other because they are already family, you know, and in a lot of ways, a lot of their quirkiness actually kind of benefits and supports each other. I know. And that's why, like, internally, like, I'm screaming because it's ridiculous how all of their their traits and their strengths complement each other. It's like, come on, if you were just open with each other you'd be like wow this is like the ideal situation in any mm -hmm. in any circumstance but we got to keep up the, the hijinks generating deceit <laughs> speaking of hijinks generating deceit let's go into the 70s sitcom plot line we have of uh i need <laughs> a wife by tomorrow in the next 48 hours i need to marry a woman i need i need to have been married to someone uh since a year ago in 48 hours yeah, that's the one thing unrelated of like, there's no 
I understand like the whole two parent thing, but like in, in the situation that he puts forward, like his wife died. Like what happens if you have a death and there is only one of you? Well, then you're not good enough for Eden Academy. Maybe you shouldn't have died, loser. I'm, I'm just yeah. saying Eden Academy, that 100% tracks. You would say, oh, an unmarried man. How unelegant. Uh-huh. His wife yeah. died trying to preserve his elegance. <laughs> we'll see. Sounds like she wasn't elegant enough. Try again, loser. Yeah, and see, that sort of that sort of gets into another uh, through line. Funnily enough, if this was handled inelegantly, it would be a serious problem with the story. There's this like push of like ultra conservative traditional family value. An unmarried woman gets carted away by the secret police because she's 30 years old and doesn't have a boyfriend. That is pretty suspicious. And that is probably a spy. I, I think the main thing is people are so concerned about espionage in this country that mm. anyone who is not 100% average is viewed as suspicious. It is a witch yeah. hunt. Yep. That's where we meet uh, your Briar, a, an unassuming public worker. Oh, I just realized her last name Briar. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will admit it took me a long time to catch that too. Yeah, uh, your Briar, also incredibly precious, and I would say must be protected at all cost, but boy, she does not need the help. She, she does need to be protected at all costs. She's just too naive. We had the side story of people trying to protect her, and it was completely unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. That, that's the important <laughs> distinction. She needs to be emotionally protected. Yeah, not physically, no. <laughs> because uh, after we have a brief scene of her interacting with her mean girl co-workers. Oh my God, I hate those people. I, they, they be catty and they are the worst. I kind of wish they didn't go as far with the cattiness because there's no sympathy like at all. There's no reasonable doubt. There's no no. These people are horrible. Mm. I think that's also playing into how naive yours is as a person, because she genuinely doesn't understand. These people are just mocking her is the big thing. They invite her to the party to make fun of her and in the latest bid to embarrass her. They're like, oh, why don't you come to the party with your boyfriend? You have one of those, right? And she's like, yeah, totally. Um. But Yor does not have a boyfriend. I mean, she doesn't really have a lot of time to date. Her job keeps getting in the way. You don't exactly have a lot of spare time when you're a contract killer. <laughs> she is best girl, though. Sam, you mentioned in the Chainsaw Man episode all the Russian assassins you've been dating. Is there something you need to tell us? But <laughs> no, Jacob, there is nothing I need to tell you about this because Yor is uh, she is a contract killer. She is the Thorn Princess. Yeah, I just connected briars and thorns. I'm, I'm sorry, not thorns. I didn't connect it at all until I heard someone read briar out loud. So. Yeah. <laughs> it took me longer than I'd like to admit. <laughs> and um, one of my favorite things about Yor is uh, as an assassin, she kills a lot of people, <laughs> but it's always done in like a comedic kind of way. It is done in a slapsticky cartoon kind of way. Like... Later on, there is a side story where in the course of her contract assassin work, she gets shot in the ass. <laughs> oh, yeah. She took a bullet to the booty. The big thing, though, is Yora's assassination work does not really get covered in the series, the main series. The only times we see her actively be like a assassin other than her introduction is side stories. Mm hmm. Though the the thing about that that I think is super important, because, again, due to all of the deception swirling around all these characters, 
keeping them all sympathetic and keeping you all liking them and none of them like crossing any kind of lines is really important. So like assassin, that's an automatically like really negative and dirty and, and unlikable thing. But they also make it pretty clear that at the very least, Yor thinks that she is doing this for the greater good. Like she's getting paid. She's been told that the people that she's going after are uh, evil or terrorists or, you know, trying to destroy her country or things like that. Um, and as far as we've seen, at least some of these people are actually morally reprehensible people. And it keeps her from being unsympathetic. There is not a scene that Yor is doing assassination work where she doesn't kill a room full of people. <laughs> uh, I think my favorite uh bit with that is uh in the first scene where we you know see her post assassination work she is you know at the sink washing off her hands afterwards and she's complaining that the blood won't come out and you're like oh is this some sort of moral thing about killing that she hasn't no she she just needs to make sure that her hands are literally physically clean because otherwise it would be uh like a giveaway on the nature of her side gig as an assassin she is 110 percent behind this whole killing people thing she's very into it yeah actually. that's the one thing i really like about yora that i think if they wanted to take the series in a different place it would definitely make it darker she does not have any qualms about assassination <laughs> she views it as a job she is doing and if anything possibly the assassination job doesn't come with good benefits city job steady good pension gotta think about those things hey as long as there's two people left on the planet someone's gonna want someone dead the big conceit of in the context of the story here, she has been invited to a dinner party by her mean co-workers who are totally just making fun of her. And they tell her to bring her boyfriend because she is now lying about having a boyfriend to them and to her and to her sweet brother. That is the big thing. She was originally planning to just skip the party, but she told her brother she has a boyfriend. And because he could not make it, he sent or I think his friend Dominic is dating one of her co-workers. Yeah, the, yeah that's really yeah. The um, particularly mean one. Yeah, which raises some red flags about Dominic because she is so outspokenly like antagonistic. I'm just like, dude, how can you? She does. Or he does dump her after that party, though, to be fair. Yeah. So I guess that was the most like overt instance of her being so nasty. Because I'm just like, mm. ew, you can do well. better, Dominic. The big thing, though, Yor, in addition to our main character needing 48 hours to find a wife, she has six hours to find a boyfriend. She just happens to walk into the same tailor shop where Lloyd Forger and his little girl Anya are getting some clothes. Ooh, and I love the inner dialogue because immediately there is an attraction there. But then when mm -hmm. she sees the daughter, she's like, crap. <sighs> I don't want to. They have such a funny back and forth because yeah. he's spy examining her, but he can't admit that when she looks over at him. Excuse me, were you staring at me? Because he was surprised she noticed he was watching her. But he then has to immediately go, oh, no, I thought you were really beautiful. And she's like, oh. She walked up behind him and he didn't even notice because she's got her super quiet assassin movement. What I'm saying it's internal screaming. It's like they're just too perfect. They're made mm -hmm. for each other. Not just in the sense of like, you know, assassin and spy, their like skill sets mesh well with each other. But like personality wise, they really do complement each other. Uh, Yor is more upbeat, optimistic, head in the clouds, but also, you know, maybe a little bit extremely airheaded. Whereas, um, yeah, our uh, our friend Lloyd, um, he's 
you know, serious all the time. He can be very strict, but, you know, sometimes he loses sight of the human element. Because he's had to, you know, constantly Mm -hmm. multiple steps ahead. And he's a bit of a defeatist. When a part of the plan goes wrong, he's like, well, plan's gone to hell. We are uh, gonna, we're packing it up, lads. And you're and Anya have to come in like, no, no, it's fine. We can fix this. There needs to be like an underworld, like mixer. They would totally connect. Yeah, they are going. This scene ends with them deciding to go to the party together. I'm just saying if there were like an underworld mixer. Yes. Yes. It's really cute because they both walk out of the shop together and she just basically goes, hey, will you pretend to be my boyfriend? She notices that he's there with Anya and she's like, oh, no, he's already got a wife and he's married. And she thinks that Anya hears it and immediately runs over to Lord like, man, isn't it sad that Mama's gone? Little Anya, perfect matchmaker. There's another there's another element that I like because it's a it's a really funny line uh, with your because she doesn't just think, oh, he's married. She thinks, oh, he's married. So his wife tried to I made a move on him. Yeah, and then she immediately thinks, who are we kidding? We know it'd be me kicking out his wife. I don't want any unnecessary blood on my hands, so I guess I won't hit on a married man. (laughs) Yep. Uh, And yeah, getting back to Anya playing matchmaker, like, (laughs) I love that Anya ships these two so hard. Oh, entirely for selfish (laughs) reasons, too, because she's just like, I've got a cool daddy. I want a cool mommy, too. And now, so... Papa is a spy. This lady's an assassin. Oh, that's so cool. You have to be my mama now. <laughs> it's uh, Anya who comes up with the idea of dead mom. This is this is the one big relationship lie uh, among the main three. Mm-hmm. Uh, a series like this could very easily have um, funny gags of of uh, your and uh, Lloyd like comically trying to seduce each other and then lying and saying they actually want a real relationship. And you know, the, there's inevitable melodrama of the betrayal that it was, you know, fake. But like they go up to each other and say, hey, I need a fake partner. Can you do me a solid, th- you know, for this? And because the crux of why they got together in the first place, they told the truth. It means that there's not that barrier. For- but like the big live, uh, the one big lie that I believe it is Anya uh, comes up with is that um, she is. Twilight's biological daughter, but her uh, biological mom is dead, which is not the case. Her biological mom is probably dead, but <laughs> certainly uh, Twilight being her father. Gosh, wouldn't that be a twist? If her parents were actually alive, that would be an interesting twist. As far as we have read, that is not the case. But mm-hmm. yes, Twilight and Yor agree to go to the party together because it serves the ends that both of them <laughs> need. And... Unfortunately, Twilight is called away on another mission the same night because there's a staffing shortage at Wise. Yeah, that's the excuse that they use to get Twilight on a bunch of missions to set up family shenanigans. More importantly, it's the excuse they give for why they just didn't assign a spy to be his wife, which is the way you would actually do it. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I think think someone even points that out at some point. Uh, specifically what they said is there's a staffing shortage because the uh, country they're in is doing like spy cleaning and basically all of the young female operatives were killed. 
Mm-hmm. It's a very dark <laughs> explanation for why they yeah. don't have a wife for him. We have too big of a body count. They are in a war-torn country is a thing you need to keep in mind while reading this. Are you saying that they're internally, they killed all of their young female operatives for a reason? The countries that they were infiltrating had caught them as spies and then executed okay, them. Okay, because I'm thinking like Wise was like targeting their young operatives for some reason. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, this wasn't Wise doing house cleaning and like we've got too many young women working for what's wrong with them we got too many young hot female operatives this needs that's to what end. i think that's the way you freeze <laughs> we'll it we'll never I was be like... allowed in shonen jump with this get rid of them <laughs> <laughs> no uh we might have we might have misphrased no the the point is that uh Asteria, this the country that they're in because they were all single. You can't be single. They're all witches. But anyway, Twilight is overworked. And so he and his uh, spy buddy, Frankie, who is a mood. Good old scruffy. That is Sam's flavor. (laughs) Frankie is a necessary character because the thing is, do we ever get established he works for Wise? I don't think he does. I don't think he does. Yeah, he's freelance. He's just associated with the agency and happens to be in the geographic location to support. He is a contact of Twilight who pays him directly. Yeah. But he was also involved with the agency. He's involved in the espionage world. I don't think he's directly a part of Wise. They're not ultra clear on it, but like... It's a spy game. They also kind of don't need to be. That's also true, because this is a character that has played on comedy and yeah. he's really funny. So I'm, I approve of this. Another really funny part is uh, what initially we hear about is uh, Frankie was to- under a uh, task by Twilight, had to break into City Hall and stole the records of all unmarried women in the city. That's right, the first right. scene that we see Yorin because her co-workers are talking about how some creep is saying. That's like top tier, <laughs> top tier creep. And they look over at your and it's like, oh, they got, I bet they got your, ah, your file. <laughs> ah. Ah, yeah. While Lloyd is off uh, breaking up a smuggling ring, poor, poor your, she's left all alone at this party thinking that she got stood up. She's getting horribly hazed by these mean remember like he she thinks she got stood up before she actually entered the party so at any mm-hmm. point she could have just not gone to the party and just be like i guess i got stood up not going to the party was never an option because her brother would find out fortunately our dashing hero uh lloyd does actually manage the party Covered in blood. With a concussion. (laughs) With a concussion. Wait, Mr. Forger, why are you so hurt? What happened to you? I'm a psychiatrist and one of my patients got violent. It happens sometimes. (laughs) Also, this is your, I'm her husband. Oops. (laughs) Very smoothly. Very smooth. No, you're supposed to pretend to be my boyfriend. Ah, crap. I got hit on the head too hard. I'm slipping. (laughs) I don't know. I I feel like there may be some uh, that may have been... uh... Freudian conscious desire slipping out. It's integral to his mission, their mission or his mission that he needs a wife, not a girlfriend. So that's not even on his mind, really. Wife, wife, wife. So like immediately he's like, oh, I'm the husband. You know, once he gets cleaned up from his battle wounds, he falls rather neatly into the role. They subvert some more uh, catty shenanigans. Shenanigans? She freaking throws a hot dish at her. Yeah. A dish full of hot macaroni and cheese. Yeah, what what a waste of macaroni and cheese. Though though Yor is actually able to catch it by uh 
with a axe kick. kicking it into the air and then catching it subsequently. Which is one of my favorite interactions between Yor and Twilight. He does not react at all to her doing this. He goes, oh, honey, that is a little uncouth to touch food with your foot. And she's like, oh, you're right. And meanwhile, my favorite bit is just the tiniest bit of sauce comes out of this, lands on uh, her co-worker's head and seriously burns her to let you know this was a potentially deadly prank. Yep. Yeah, right on, right on her nose. As she should. Very well, she should. Yep. Yeah, she deserved that. But, you know, they have a bit of the mac and cheese. It's delicious. And they're like, all right, well, this has been a great party. We really must get on our way. You've been here for like five minutes. Oh, yeah, no, your hospitality is fantastic. See ya. I proved my cover. We can leave now. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yep. I have a concussion. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, um, those uh, patients seem to have found him. <laughs> I hate it when patients do that. <laughs> I love how Yor is a combination of airheaded, she doesn't know when she's being lied to, and so ready to believe whatever she's told that she's just like, cool. Wow, I didn't realize that psychiatric patients could uh, could get so violent, have access to weapons like automatic guns and <laughs> grenades. Is it okay that you're punching your patients like that? Yes, and it's experimental concussive therapy. <laughs> and then the narration box, one of my favorite characters in this story because the narration box is on our character. This is a lie. This is not a thing. <laughs> this is untrue. <laughs> but there are more shenanigans of them escaping the smuggling ring. And my favorite bit happens because yours says, well, you already said you're my husband. So will you marry me? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, all right. No, this works perfectly for uh, what I need. All right. I, I stole a ring from the smugglers and I lost the ring. Well, I have this grenade. Ping! <laughs> And he uses a grenade pole ring as the wedding band that he puts on her finger. Which is so fitting for them. And he kills the people attacking them in an explosion. Well, we never had to say their witnesses had to survive the entire ceremony. They were there to witness. This manga, you want to see these two just actually be... You know, a, a, a real a married couple, because like the whole like her assassin thing and his spy thing, if they were on the same side of a of any given political divide, they're actually a really great power couple and they really genuinely like each other. I mean, unfortunately, like any good spy fiction, the love interests are on opposite sides of, the... of course. <laughs> yep. Just the way that the story is set up, there's inevitably going to be a plot to either kill Twilight or uh, Anya or both. That's definitely going to be at some point in the future, one of the big dramatic moments. I'm eagerly anticipating it and and want to see them get through it because I adore this family. We get our my favorite scene, which is when um Yor moves in and we have Twilight informed, don't worry, we will have separate bedrooms along with Operation Honeymoon in case we accidentally need to entertain a guest. Uh -huh. I will not go further into that at this moment. <laughs> we because do ultimately see Operation Honeymoon, though, and it is delightful. They're supposed to be a married couple, but they are strangers. They don't know each other. They're not going to get physical, uh, no matter how many times Anya says, Mama, Papa, going to kiss now? <laughs> Which is She's hilarious because she only ever does that when they have like a romantic tension and they look at each other because she's reading their minds and she's like. They want to kiss each other. They're thinking about it. Yeah, they thinking about kissing. 
Mm -hmm. I'm with you, Anya. In this situation, I'm thinking about if, I know not everyone is like this, but like if in the case, in the instance of arranged marriages, like they could still like date, obviously, and still get to know each other, even if they were, you know, legally a married couple. Well, mm. the problem is they both keep telling each other that their relationship is only for pretenses. And yeah. this, despite the fact their walls are slowly breaking down over the course of what we read. Because it's obviously putting those walls up in order to per, um, protect each other's feelings and to protect pretenses. But I mean, it's very obvious that, again, internal screaming, if they would just tell each other that, hey, I'm involved in very precarious work. Oh, me too. Wow, we have so much in common, so it's no awkwardness. But the big thing is no one wants to be the fir- no one wants to be the first one to say this fake relationship is now real for me. <laughs> and and yep. yeah, that's the thing. It's not just that they're lying to each other about how real they want the relationship to be. Way more so, way more so Twilight, but both of them are lying to themselves about how you're with someone who would actually understand what you go through on a daily basis. People watching mm. your back, people trying to subvert or kill you, like so overtly. It's just like, wow, someone who actually gets it. That I, I mean, actually... yeah. We basically get told that by the narrator at the end yep. when the family finally comes together is you have this three strangers who out of convenience need a family as a disguise have accidentally formed a legitimate family. <laughs> Uh-huh. And it is the most delightful thing. I love it. They've got this family unit together. They need to make sure that they have uh, had bonding experiences and acclimated Anya to the way the elite live. So they go and do some bonding things and they uh, come together over uh, violence and vigilantism. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they try to do upper crust things. Yeah, like going to the opera. Twilight's able to, like, immerse himself in it because that's literally his day and night job but your is completely lost and anya's asleep so mm -hmm. they go to a fancy restaurant and anya isn't being fancy and polite uh your is busy fingering the knives in the cutlery she has this like schoolgirl crush blush while she's like trailing her finger along the blade of the of the steak knife yeah if you ever didn't think my kind of woman yeah, Yor really likes her job. Sam, you need to stay away from those types of women. I'm just saying. <laughs> Sam, no more excuses. You're not allowed to complain about women if this is the women you pursue. They um, accidentally, while viewing the town from up high, witness a purse mugger uh, with Twilight's eagle sight. Mm -hmm. They're having this like genuine family moment. They have this like beautiful, serene view of the city that uh, Yor uses to uh, calm herself down when her, uh, well, one of her jobs is overwhelming. Down at the bottom of the big hill that they're on, uh, they see uh, some guy walk up to a, an old lady and mug her and take her purse and dash away. And Yor's or, uh, Twilight's like, well, that's a shame. She probably should have kept tighter hold on that purse. And you're immediately get back here, you piece of shit! Like leaps off of the balcony and like uses her ninja powers. The fact that Twilight like has very like cool and like very little reaction to this is just like, for all you know, this is just a classic office worker. Who is this woman who's jumping off balconies and high kicking and beating the crap out of people? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's funny how he never questions where he got all of her like combat skills. 
Yeah, Twilight has some. Twilight is suspicious of everyone around him, and Yor also does get a bunch of monologues of maybe I should be paranoid about her, her as well. But her capabilities are never called into question. As almost <laughs> as if uh, Twilight just expects. Yeah, obviously I can do it. There must be other people who can. I mean, hyper competent martial arts is his day to day. So somebody else having that doesn't seem that weird to him but um unfortunately yor does not get down there quickly enough in order to catch the criminal who disappears into the crowd lloyd and anya you know they go running the long way down the hill because they're not madmen leaping off the side of it and uh anya using her amazing mind reading powers uh locates the criminal in the crowd and subtly how dare he? Or she subtly directs uh, Lloyd to look in the direction of the criminal. And with his master spy powers, he sees right through the uh, the thief's feeble disguise. You know, we're saying that Lloyd isn't the type of psycho to jump off high place. Um, he kind of is because that's how he catches the he, criminal. <laughs> he leaps off a bridge and body slams this man, drives his face into the pavement and says, dinner served, you piece of shit. <laughs> And then he casually gets up, looks at the crowd that's all staring at him and says, he stole a purse, have a nice day, and just walks away. <laughs> Yor comes up with the old lady, retrieves the purse. It had money for her grandson. It's a very heartfelt moment. And, and the nice old lady looks at them and says, you have a, you are such a wonderful family here. It's good to see the young people having such good families. Twilight actually has the, I, the glimmer of like, you know, maybe taking credit for something is... Not bad all the time. There's a bit about how spies are heroes who never get their deeds uh, reported on or sung about. Um, mm -hmm. But he, you know, he was able to get the purse back, uh, the stolen purse back. And the old lady, you know, thanks him generously for his uh, good deed of probably breaking that guy's face. But she didn't mm -hmm. see that art. And uh, it's not something he's used to. He's not used to being thanked. It's interview day at Eden Academy. <laughs> I love this entire sequence so much. The Spy X family went off the rails a lot of times up to this point. Like, plot section is always all off the rails from the start. <laughs> Eden Academy is that um, vibe you get in uh, anime and manga occasionally, where you have to explore what the hyper-rich are like, and manga loves mocking the hyper-rich. <laughs> Yep, this place that's so ridiculously snooty and stuck up that they are judging you on the most minute details at before you even walk in the door. They've got people watching you from the very start uh, hidden in windows, which, of course, Master Spy uh, Twilight notices. It's a good thing we took all these preparations and it and uh, he's like, all right, ladies, just follow my lead. I'm used to blending in with crowds like this. Unfortunately, uh, blending in isn't going to be good enough because we find out really quickly the headmaster explicitly does not want Anya in the school because her score was incredibly unelegant. Not the headmaster, a housemaster. They have. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Head uh, housemaster Henderson. He's elegance guy to me. <laughs> he is elegance <laughs> man. His, they don't mention his name very often. And he's like, 31 is technically a passing score, but it's so inelegant. You're on thin ice, Forger. You will be rejected immediately at the slightest misstep. And, you know, they walk past the statue of the 
school's founder and all of the forger family immediately salute the statue and he goes such elegance and lloyd is like hmm yes this is the thing you must do to garner uh goodwill with the people that you're trying to infiltrate and your thanks uh, i'm not entirely sure why we're doing this but if i follow lloyd's lead it, it can't go wrong and anya looks at the statue and goes bald guy she just she just read uh twilight's mind to um know what to do know what to do <laughs> which honestly i that's just anya being perfect like she always is mm -hmm. And Henderson is sufficiently enthralled by their elegance in this maneuver. But the next challenge arises because, oh no, tragedy. A, ch a student has fallen in the gutter. Won't someone save him? But there's such dirty water that he's splashing everywhere. Like Twilight comes over as um, Anya leads him over and he one hand grabs this kid out of the muck, which in the kid's internal monologue, we do get confirmed that he's there as part of a test from the Academy. He's getting extra credit <laughs> for trapping himself. But Is this credit really worth it? <laughs> unfortunately, despite how elegantly he saved the child, he did allow a speck of mud to splatter his jacket which is enough to be disqualified. How unelegant. Only a peasant would allow themselves to be dirtied in such a matter. We anticipated this might happen, so we had a change of clothes. They anticipated this? How elegant! In fact, these outfits are even more elegant. I was just looking for an excuse to exchange, young sir. Thank you. He even spared the young boy's feelings. <laughs> How elegant. Lloyd Forger, who are you? <laughs> I, loved, I loved this entire arc. It's not even gone buckwild yet, because we're about to get to the real crazy. A stampede breaks out. <laughs> From the school's zoo. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't a farm. I thought it was the school's oh, farm, yeah. which is equally insane. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and uh Twilight is thinking, how far will you go, Eden Academy? And uh Henderson's like, wait, how far are we going? Who approved this? Uh nobody well, did. This is an act this. <laughs> this is an actual disaster, sir. This is an emergency. Oh no. <laughs> there are VIPs out there. Like we were gonna disqualify everyone in the school, but if they get hurt. <laughs> Uh, and one particularly angry cow is leading this charge, which Anya notes directly with her mind reading powers. It's like, that's the one that's uh, causing all of this. And Yor immediately locks eyes on target as Lloyd is running interference, saving VIPs from the charging animals. She goes in. Whoa, boom! <laughs> Pressure point attack. Which calms the rampaging uh, herd. Her explanation to Twilight about this is hilarious, too, because it's just like, hi, hey, how'd you know how to take down a cow like that? She's like, well, I did a lot of yoga and learned about presser points. I just assumed cows had similar ones. I actually learned about presser points as an assassin. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he just buys that. And uh, to say that it calmed the herd is a way to put it more like terrified the piss out of every last one of them. <laughs> the cow that was leading the rampage gets up after being paralyzed and is like, OK, you win. I'm going home now. Bye. More importantly, Anya calms it down. Yeah. Anya goes over to it. Um, oh, don't be scared, Mr. Cow. And like pats it on the head. Mm hmm. Also, could be an empath. We don't know how psychics work in this setting. 
but the cow does get up, turn away, and walk back home, which gets the rest of the animals to follow it. Unfortunately, their clothes were a little scruffy mm-hmm. from taking care of all these animals. But don't worry, they were prepared for this and brought a third set of clothes. How elegant! <laughs> their third set of clothes is actually more elegant. They're wearing, like, Victorian evening wear. Yeah, Lloyd's got a top hat. It's amazing. <laughs> and this is all just the lead up to the interview, which is with three of the housemasters, including our main elegance man, Henderson, who is already very smitten with the forgers, despite the uh, low inelegant score. But um, we have, I, I can't remember Lots one of man. them. Yeah, we have Glasses Man. Uh, he's very unassuming. He, he, he sure existed and, in this scene. He his whole thing was he asks the first question and that was actually a form of trick, but that that immediately gets mm-hmm. sideswiped because Twilight was prepared for that question so <laughs> and answered it perfectly yes, but then we get the next guy the fat f- this guy yeah he is a um uh nepotism hire <laughs> his father was the former headmaster of the academy and that uh puts him into his position despite the fact he doesn't really deserve it <laughs> he's also incredibly misogynistic and likes uh unsettling the families by asking very rude questions of the wives yeah, in particular uh he had recently been divorced so seeing he happy families made all custody of his children mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. he probably did not deserve custody of his children yeah, but that's really telling because he thinks he's like all that. He basically is trying to exert power where he feels he has it, even though he doesn't deserve that power because his personal life, he has zero. Basically, what he's saying is his family fell apart, so no one's family is actually together. Rejecting. Essentially, he's just answering questions and Twilight's entire plan with him is like, he's not going to like me no matter what I say. Give him the bare minimum he needs. Don't give him anything he can fight from and I'll try and win points with the two others. He is a lost cause, which fair. Yep. Yep. Swan, the fat is not to be uh, underestimated in the depths of degeneracy that he will fall to. This guy, wow. question he asked legitimately made me mad. Mm-hmm. That is not a thing you ask ever. <laughs> I mean, which one? There were a couple that I wanted to reach through the screen yeah. and throttle them. Specifically but... the last one, because it definitely builds to that. Yes, the last one yeah. was the worst, but... <laughs> so he asks some various misogynistic questions at Yore, and it's like, oh, actually, Lloyd does most of the, the cooking around the house, because... And it's like, oh, wow, you really fail as a wife if your husband has to do the cooking and blah, 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 this BS. And then uh, the cover story of Anya being uh, Lloyd's child by his deceased first wife comes out. And like, we know that this isn't truly the case, but we still know that, you know, Anya has been through a lot. She's been through multiple families in a very short amount of time. And they they actually ask Anya a few questions. And for all the mind reading shenanigans that Anya has gotten up to by this point, when she's asked how she rates her parents, she says they get a perfect 100 score. Both of them. And she says it with such a glow on her face. You just know she's not answering the question by reading minds, knowing what I love them. (laughs) It's so precious. But Swan, unable to. Uh, abide this wholesomeness turns to Anya and says all right so which one do you love more your real mommy or this one 
And like he even phrases it that way. Yeah. In the most scumbag way possible. And everybody in the room looks at him like, how dare you even say like Henderson and the teacher who isn't important. They're both furious with him. And I love it because what we get is you're going like, I don't know how to answer that question. We get Anya going, what? And none of that matters because Twilight is already halfway over the table to punch this guy in the face. Oh, Oh, Anya broke down into tears. And that's sort of part of the thing, because we don't know what happened to Anya's actual birth mother. For all we know, Anya accidentally killed her birth parents with her psychic powers or something, and that's why. It's also a question that doesn't lead anywhere. If the story is that your your birth mother died, it doesn't matter whether you like your current mother better, better or not. She's still your mom. You, you can't like but, it, it's just an irrelevant question that that's the point. He's specifically asking it to cause pain. Mm-hmm. And and it and, very obviously hurts Anya, which Twilight then lunges over the table and has to mentally scream at himself, stop, this is terrible for the mission, which catches him just in time to punch down, break the table in half. And he's just like, mm-hmm. sorry, there was a mosquito. He didn't get the actual mosquito that was sitting right across from him. <laughs> Amen. The art in this manga is really good. Oh, yeah. The manga is fantastic at making very powerful facial expressions. The panel of Twilight lunging across with violence writ across his face. Like, I was furious. I was with him. I was ready for him to beat this man straight into the afterlife. I was scared looking at those eyes. <laughs> Twilight doesn't have like a murderous intent face. Yor totally does because that's her job. She kills people. Twilight was going to kill. It was going to one shot kill this guy. Like he's even thinking in his head, like, you know, like be concerned about the mission. But he gets up and he says, if this is the way the teaching staff uh, present themselves at Eden, then maybe I should find another school. Like if he wants to succeed at his mission, he would not care enough about Anya and Yor. But like he is. I mean, that is a James Bond exit line. Like the I guess I've chosen the wrong school just hits so deeply. And like, I think part of that is just he's a spy. He knows he needs what has happened has happened. He needs to recover from that. Mm -hmm. So he says that purposefully because he's like, I need to get the other two on my side. We're already kind of on his side because they were equally repulsed. Like Mm -hmm. what? Not even who, what says that? Yeah. Yep. Like and the best thing about that line is it's just like, I still really respect this school, but if this is the kind of teacher you have here, I guess I made a mistake. And they're like, oh no, isn't our school better than this one guy? Like, yeah, it's it, and, it's done in such a way that, and like, you know, that's sort of the thing about Twilight at this point, because like he doesn't want to have a foot in the door of these two uh, these two uh, people being his family. And it's like, you know, there's that roundaway about way back to the mission. But, you know, you don't say that to someone. In, and, you, you know, the forgers leave after the interview and they're like, ah, that kind of went down the drain, didn't it? Oh, well, chin up. We'll see what happens. And we cut back to inside the interview room and uh, Glasses Man is telling off Swan, like, come on, dude, that was inappropriate. That was uncalled for. Henderson is just laying into him and he's like, 
and you know this guy's trying to flex his nepotism like you uh my father might not be the headmaster here anymore but he's got some real sway you best not uh step to me henderson henderson's like i'll do more than step to you and boom boom right hook straight in the smug face lays him right on the ground that is a full page panel too of him getting punched in the face and then unconscious falling away he got one hit ko'd and henderson turns around dusts off his knuckles handled elegantly oh boy what a beautiful full page of uh this guy getting punched oh man henderson is just such a consistently great character because like he stays in character as someone who is like he is a staff member at Eden. Eden comes first. But like he's also like aware enough to like understand what's going on with the forgers. And oh, that's what I love about him. At the very least, he he very much admires Lloyd and wants to like help out the forgers as much as he can uh, off of that. Respect. He sees their potential. But he also he sees their potential. He also can't allow it to compromise his position at the school because he very much cares for the school as well. And so we see him treading that line and making sacrifices like that all the time. And I, I love it. It's a very compelling. He's a very compellingly written character for being funny. haha elegance, man. He is a complete joke character. And yet it's just another character that I can't help but be deeply emotionally invested in in spite of how ridiculous he is. The Forgers go home. They are very distraught about what happened because it's like, well, I guess the mission's down the tubes. Uh, there might be a little bit of hope. We'll have to wait and see for when the announcement comes. Uh, the announcement comes. They they are. <laughs> Anya is not on the uh, on the acceptance list. board on the list. And they're walking away dejectedly. But Henderson comes up to them and is like, actually, we've got a uh, waiting list of people that were just under the acceptance threshold or we always have people that drop out every year and i was able to get anya put at the very top of the short list so good luck we get such a funny like little vignette with uh your upon finding this out uh-huh <laughs> because yours response to hearing uh if like one person drops out then anya can get into the school she immediately has a full-on like vision of her going up to a, an official who is the parent of one of the accepted students and murdering him i love in the daydream the guy she's murdering his entire dialogue is just no if i'm killed my son will never go to eat who want to go to my my son will never be mentally ready to go to Eden Academy. <laughs> and she says, that's exactly why this has to happen for my Anya. You need to die. <laughs> and then she's like shaking her head and blushing like, no, no, don't think that. Don't think about killing innocent people. You can't do that. <laughs> Yor does come away from that meeting with some insecurities. She does feel like she's not being a good enough mother to Anya. She she does feel like she's being an inadequate wife, despite uh despite the fact that she's an amazing mother, like mm -hmm. so good with Anya. And, you know, Twilight running interference. Like, actually, she's fantastic around the house, but, you know, she still feels like she needs to step up in that regard. There's this big lie hanging over each of the three of them, and yet they're one of the most functional families I've seen in a manga ever. Yes, yep. they're all committed to making the lie work is the thing. Well, it's that too, but like they're also like they're all good for each other. Yor is dealing is trying to deal with her insecurities and they're preparing to 
uh, send Anya to her uh, classes because there is uh, enough uh, people declining uh, going to Eden. There, somebody does drop out, and so she gets. Uh, Yor tries to be the kind of mother she's expected to be, and like she she doesn't even really fail that badly at it. It's the kind of thing that's it's obvious that if she worked at it, she'd be better. Shenanigans about Anya almost getting kidnapped, and uh, Mama Bear comes out. Oh boy. <laughs> Yeah, Do not touch my daughter. <laughs> yeah, uh, Yor and Anya go to the they go to the supermarket to get some groceries, and Anya wanders away, gets caught by some uh, thugs who are like, she is uh, showing off her Eden Academy uniform to literally everyone she walks into. Because but she's so cute in it, though. She's so cute in it, though, and she's so proud. <laughs> Did you know children from Eden Academy are often kidnapped and held for ransom if they're commuters? What? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everyone's and thinking this as Anya just keeps going, what? <laughs> I love that because like there are a bunch of cases where like something air quotes serious will happen. And, you know, like people are thinking about like death and destruction and bad things in their head. And then wide-eyed, tiny pupil stare of Anya. I, I, I feel like, dear audience, we're doing you a disservice because that nothing we do overviewing this is going to be able to completely convey Anya as a character because she is 100% side panels reacting to things mm -hmm. is 100% of her jokes, which we cannot convey to you with, like, proper um, yeah. respect. Lloyd or Yor will think something and she will mind read it and she'll be like, ah. oh, cool. So scary. So cool. Or Mama so and scary. Papa are going to kiss. Yep. <laughs> Thugs attempt to kidnap Anya and within bare seconds, Yor tears out of the supermarket, plants one of them in the pavement and says, I am her mother. You will give her back now or you will all die. Which is hilarious because this group of thugs sees one of their people completely knocked out to the pavement. It's like, hey, now you got to pay his medical bills in response. In addition to the ransom, like you're still going to win this fight. Like <laughs> what ultimately comes of this is, um, you know, you're is thinking, oh, that was very unladylike. I'm a terrible mother. But Anya thinks it's awesome because, you know, it's awesome. And. The really like wonderful thing about this is Anya wants to learn how to defend herself and the lessons that Yor gives her like your, you know, I mean, she's a little kid. It doesn't ultimately go exactly as planned, but uh, your, you know, drills into her with the lessons on, you know, how to throw a punch and things like that, that, you know, throw, throw how, to, how to be menacing. And more importantly, not just always be menacing, how to put on a ladylike facade. Mm -hmm. Your teaches Anya how to defend herself. There's just a really cute panel of um, Twilight walking home from his mission, which was inconsequential, to um, the two of them doing some mother-daughter uh, punching exercises. Sure and he's like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> Getting ready for school! He's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. But anyway, the mission of Operation Strix finally comes into its beginning, which we're finally at after all yeah. of this talking. Anya's two first, at last. Anya's first day of school, which it's orientation not, day. Not really at this point, but we do get established. There's actually a little addendum to what the actual requirements of Operation Strix are. It's not enough to get the child into school because um, the person Mr. that they're after Desmond. is a 
I forget him, but he basically only interacts with the upper crust of the upper crust. Mm. So Anya will need to become a imperial scholar, an imperial scholar, an imperial scholar by earning yeah. eight Which... stellar stars and not mm -hmm. earning eight to nitrous. Because if you earn eight of those, you get expelled. What? <laughs> yep. Yeah, we need progress bars. There. And they, like they they have progress bars because the narration talks. Every, every mission mm -hmm. ends with their current progress to either achieving um, a stellar star or getting expelled. And mm -hmm. what Anya's relationship with the important part is she has been placed in the same class as not the older child of Mr. Desmond, but his youngest son, age six, Damien Desmond, who looks like you think every person named Damien looks like. Mm -hmm. uh, she's actually in a class with a whole bunch of VIPs kids, which Lloyd is like, oh, my God, it's a treasure trove of intel. Yes, Anya, make plenty of friends. And then all <laughs> the snobby rich kids are being snobby rich kids at her. And so she turns away like, eh, you guys are rude. And he's like, no, stop. But uh, unfortunately for Anya, um, being in a classroom setting, she is always reading the minds of these stuck up rich kids and they do nothing but judge her. Mm -hmm. And she is constantly anxious because it's not like she's thinking they're judging her. She actively hears their constant critiques of her. Yep. And, Poor Anya, and, she she deserves so much. She's so much better than basically all of these people. And Damien is the worst of it because he he is the penultimate spoiled brat kid and you know he spends most of this chapter and the orientation time at school just picking on Anya calling her trash telling her to get out of his face blah 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 until at one point Anya looks over her shoulder checks where the teacher is sees he's around the corner and boom <laughs> right hook in the face to be fair she managed to hold out for a very long time she had been uh, using the uh, the the disarming smile, which, as Matt alluded to earlier, we cannot properly describe, but <laughs> it accompanies it is accompanied with the uh, onomatopoeia of. Yeah, <laughs> you don't understand. A lady always just smiles off. It's insulting, but you can't say anything like, oh, no, she smiled at me. Every time I saw her, I couldn't not think of that meme of the frog who's just receding into his own neck that just goes, hey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But when uh, their homeroom teacher, who is Mr. Henderson, who did get demoted after punching Swan out, um, he comes over and he's like, what happened here? And it's like, she punched me for no reason whatsoever. And Anya proceeds to pre present reason. Oh. Well, Anya, taking after her uh, her adopted father and being a smooth liar is like, actually, he um, he he walked into my fist. No, no. He bumped in. Well, she does start with that. She starts with that and is immediately called out on the obvious. Uh, and she's like, actually, um, this other girl, Becky, uh, he stepped on her shoe and I reacted to defend her. And Becky's like, oh, my gosh, you're so cool. You came to save me. We're now best friends. You took on so much abuse, but only came to the aid of a friend. How elegant. Yeah, Henderson recognizes that Damien was the one at fault, but he also can't overlook 
fact that you just punched another student. That is very obviously against the rules. You, she gets one of the uh, bolts for this. She gets three tinnitus bolts. But Henderson is able to negotiate that down to one because he is not one to speak on punching someone who has behaved inelegantly. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Gosh, is he is he the is he the grandpa of the family? He kind of is. <laughs> so thus concludes day one at Eden Academy. We have an interlude involving some penguins. Two hundred penguins. So it is a very it. funny story that is explicitly non-canon. It is explained in the front part that is a one shot that was written for a summer magazine because it does take place in the summer. So anyway, we get uh, we get back to the actual main plot line here where uh, they're trying to make Anya an honor student. It's not going super well because she's an airhead. She Well, she doesn't want to apply herself because she thinks she can just of anyone and get the right answers and i'm sitting here like no anya you would be completely invisible if you if you cultivated your mind this is basically a through line for the rest of what we read there is such an absolutely adorable moment where um there ha like you know it's honestly it's a domestic moment where lloyd is pushing anya i don't know if it's come up before this point but it's it it's emphasized here that um uh, Yor actually did a lot of raising of her little brother because their parents died when they were young. So she actually does kind of understand a little bit more, you know, child rearing than, you know, despite, you know, being unmarried and this being her first air quotes relationship. You know, Yor and Lloyd have this like great domestic moment. And in spite of Anya, you know, being a little bit of the, you know, acting her age, bratty kid. Um, when uh, Lloyd, you know, after after he sees that, yeah, I've been too harsh, I need to, you know, lighten up on her, give her some more positive reinforcement. You know, um, he goes into her room where she had run to um, to uh, get her for her cartoon and she had fallen asleep at at the desk in her room with uh, text. Textbooks open. She was doing the studying on her own in order to help daddy's mission. She genuinely wants to help. She just doesn't want to do any hard work. Yeah, but she's she's like she's six. She's probably not actually six, but she is a child. And her greatest experience with spies is the Bond Man cartoon where, you know, if it's like any cartoons in our world, it is uh, spy plot lines wrapped up in 11 minutes or less. <laughs> so it's so funny, too, when um, uh, Twilight realizes that if he, um, he tr like tricks Anya into doing math problems by talking about Bond Man, she'll actually learn things. So he immediately goes, well, better learn everything I can about this cartoon. So whenever we see him moving forward, he's mm -hmm. always reading a Bond Man comic. Uh, he teaches her fractions by having her count the bullets in Bond Man's gun <laughs> when he's shooting. Yeah, Twilight also does comment a few times like, is, is this for kids? You can see over the course of especially the last couple of chapters that we read, Anya is very obviously maturing, you know, like because she can read the minds of adults as a greater perspective on the world than a kid her age normally would. Like she's, you know, really growing up to be a, a, a elegant young lady, you know, and again, what a wonderful family this is because her doing such a good job of raising their kids. 
And I mean, one one of those like big things that does show she's maturing is um, uh, Twilight informs her that she should probably apologize to uh, Damien for punching him. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. realistically, you probably should. Punching him was a bit of an overreaction for the situation you were in. And like eventually, it's an entire thing of Twilight trying to subtly get her to apologize and her friend Wait. Becky going like, don't apologize to those dumb boys. Subtle is a word for it. <laughs> he he at one point clambers onto the roof of the school, etches you should apologize onto a mirror and reflects it down in a beam of light at her feet. And she's like, is this a message from God? <laughs> you should apologize. Oh, he edits the reading assignment so that her book instead, because the book was clearly about standing up for what you believe in, except he cut out her book to read. Sometimes giving up your principles to just apologize is the superior method. <laughs> and he he eventually realizes oh it's becky that's getting in the way so he contrives a reason for becky to not be around anya giving her the opportunity reason. to go apologize oh, i'm just gonna call her to the office and no one's there to receive her it's an adorable <laughs> panel of her sitting in an empty room going like there's no one here no it's it's even better than that because it the, was the gymnasium wasn't it no the the intercom goes off and it's like uh becky blackbell report to the auditorium please and she's like but i'm in the middle of lunch and the audit and the uh intercom responds i said now <laughs> but uh, anyway uh the main point of this is um anya eventually does get to talk to damien and gives a heartfelt tearful apology because honestly she doesn't want to be enemies with him because it's important to the mission and also she just wants to make friends mm-hmm. yeah that's another case that's another case where it's really beautiful because like uh you really do like you know the the um damien's minions are like oh look at the tears in her eyes look it really is <laughs> like well it's it's mostly she's so frustrated about being told to apologize that's where the tears come from but yeah. and like it's hilarious because his minions are just like she's crying it's such a heartfelt apology and you see damien just go from like this sneering bully to doki doki Oh no! <laughs> At which point he punches. He 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 had been having these feelings the whole time, like the entire the entire chapter. He's she immediately did not cow to you know his taunts and just smiled at him. He's like, who is she? It's a hundred percent. This girl stood up to me. I'm yeah. suddenly interested. <laughs> she punched him in the face and it turned him into a sundere. <laughs> He didn't realize he was having these feelings until she apologized. He felt his heart go doki doki and he had to run away. (laughs) But before he ran away, he also had to uh, punch away the doki doki sound effect effect bubble. (laughs) This manga is really good. (laughs) It is. I hope hope we've adequately conveyed how amazing this story is. But if you took nothing else from this, Anya's adorable. You need to read this. We're giving you a plot overview here, but honestly, a lot of these stories are like vignettes that are comedies that really just yeah. need to be enjoyed. Yeah, because the next there's a whole bunch of various vignettes of how Anya is you know, getting along in school or not getting along in school. There's a fun dodgeball tournament where she uses her mind reading powers to uh attain ultra instinct and then completely fails at attacking yeah i want to know how old or how long uh bill has been six years old 
there, there is it's a dodgeball inner class dodgeball tournament and the main thing is the other team's class has the son of a military general who looks like a muscled out adult man but is claimed to be six yeah bell the bazooka like, I, I don't know if the joke is supposed to be he's the son of a military general, so obviously he's roided out. Or is the joke supposed to be this military general, in order to get close to Desmond, also put an operative into the class? <laughs> we may never know. It, it, of course, has a bunch of fun moments with Anya. But the next major thing that happens... We've been having a lot of Anya lately. We need to come back to... Uh, our two adult characters, Yor and Twilight, because um, someone finds out they're married. Uh, I guess Dominic finally ran into his work buddy, uh, Yuri, Yuri. And, and was like, hey, yeah, did you know your sister's married? What? <laughs> did you know your sister has been married for a year? Yeah, what? And they backdated the, bir- the uh, marriage certificate by a year. <laughs> Which, in all fairness, does pay off because when they go to the interview at Eden Academy, one of the people says maybe it was just a marriage for convenience. Like Mm -hmm. someone comments, did they just get married like two days ago? As if that's a thing you would do. We uh, find out what uh, Yuri does for a living. He is not just your average civil servant. Mm -hmm. He is a special forces interrogator. (laughs) Yep, he is an SSS officer. He's the secret police. Yeah, I, I I love how subtle it is. It, he is he is straight <laughs> up out of <laughs> out of the Reich. Yeah, Damien is intro- introduced as being so unbelievably unlike that you're like, oh, this guy is you know, or like this kid is he's too young to be as vile as the fat teacher who got punched, but like he's obviously in the same tier of. Over the course of the scenes that we get with him, like he he remains in character such that he doesn't do anything, you know, like like during that dodgeball tournament, like he protects Anya, like he he um dives he in front a of a ball for her. her, but he's trying to catch it, which is so in character. Like he's not gonna just like, suddenly be a love struck idiot. No, he's you know he's still trying to be uh he's still trying to be the star of you know the main character of his own story. He's willing to defend her. And mm-hmm. also look good rather than let her fall so he can succeed. Yeah. Yep. Um, so there's a spark of nobility in him. And uh, we and they do this with all the characters like Yuri's a part of the secret police. He's also an adorable cinnamon roll who really loves his sister. <laughs> Probably a little a too little much. Too much. <laughs> loves his sister a little too much. Yeah. I will say one of the um, first reactions that I had when we were introduced to Yuri proper was I was a little bit disappointed that he was as extremely quirky as he was, because I kind of felt like it would have worked if um, like he was the foot in the door of normal that Yor needed to keep herself grounded. But like <laughs> Yuri is a treasure. <laughs> like, oh my God, I, I love this, like his introduction. He basically essentially says to the criminal he's interrogating he goes hey my sister has been married for a year and i'm just meeting her uh, husband tonight i really want to get home early today are you going to make this difficult for me and he's just all smiles and everything and the second the guy says i'm not telling you anything is like you made this difficult for me and we cut away because apparently he tortures everything he needs out of this guy (laughs) Well, that's the irony of it, because neither one knows the other one is involved in such a career. Like, they're both trying to hide it from the other. It really comes out when uh, Yuri demands to meet them and is invited over for dinner. 
and we get essentially a threes company plot <laughs> because we unveil Operation Honeymoon. <laughs> oh my god, I love the 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 pillows that say yes on them. Like, too yeah. much for me. It just did not compute. Essentially, um, <laughs> they they convert their uh, three bedroom apartment where uh, Yor and Twilight have separate bedrooms into a single bedroom apartment. Or, it, they have a single bedroom they share yeah. that is covered in a heart bedspread, photoshopped pictures of them together, <laughs> just as lovey dovey. I mean, it's it's like a honeymoon. Like there's Anya standing next to them. Mama and Papa gonna kiss? Because there was a beat, and they were thinking about it. <laughs> like she obviously has genuine feelings. Like Twilight's obviously gonna be the holdout in the because, uh, and you know this goes back to the idea of keeping all parties uh, sympathetic. Twilight is almost surely going to be the character that keeps this family from just being a family the longest because he's constantly going back to the mission um you know and and that's why it's important that it like his side is framed as the good guy side because um it it keeps you liking him in spite of you know him being the big wall but that doesn't mean it isn't frustrating to get all around him and it's just accept that you like him you obviously do oh yeah but anyway it's very effective we we get just a lovely scene that I'm not sure we can do much justice for describing. Yeah. Where Yuri eventually comes over to talk with them. Anya has he, fallen asleep at this point because it's way past her bedtime. Because, unfortunately, Yuri did have to work late. And as apology, uh, he bought a bouquet of not just flowers. He bought a bouquet of orchids, which... Uh, yeah, that's... That's extra. Those aren't cheap. <laughs> A huge bouquet as well and comes stumbling through the door, not stumbling, but um, like late at night and is greeted lovey dovey by his sister and her husband. And he is not happy about that. Mm -hmm. Who is this random slime that has come into my sister's life? Is he worthy of her? He can't be. And um, Yuri's not very good at his job, apparently, because he immediately starts interrogating Twilight. Mm -hmm. To and an Twilight. extent that Twilight just immediately thinks, oh, no, he's SSS. <laughs> oh, no, it's even better than that, because uh, Twilight realizes that he's being interrogated. And so he very expertly guides the conversation into foreign travel because he's already uh, he has memorized the SSS's playbook on the scripted response on foreign travel. Uh, yeah. Restaurants around the embassies. Mm hmm. And Yuri gives all of the coded responses like perfectly. And Twilight's like, ah, now I know that you're not the best at this job, Yuri, because if you had actually been up to date on your answers, then you would have known that the manager of the small restaurant that you just praised retired four months ago. Now we have another layer of this deception that we have to work around, and it adds even more to the tension as Yuri is just getting increasingly belligerently drunk. Yeah, uh, it, we didn't mention this earlier, but um, there was a celebration for uh, Anya getting into school where we find out that Yor is a lightweight, but also yeah, drinks. Well, I'm Briars not sure she's are a lightweight. Yeah, briars are bad drunks is what it comes down to. They drink a lot because Yor does finish a bottle of wine by herself, which 
just amazingly beautiful end of uh, panel art of uh, Anya tucking in Yor on the couch with an empty <laughs> bottle of wine. His internal monologue is basically screaming, my sister deserves no husband who isn't me. Uh, it's like, okay, we had to get here, didn't we? God damn it, anime. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping that they would sidestep it because we get a flashback of um, the uh, the two of them when they were growing up. And um, there's that really cute, um, you know, uh, you know, child goes to the parental figure and says, I want to marry you when I get like, like it, it, it's cute and innocent uh, gets. Fortunately, the context that scene comes yeah. up in makes it less so because yeah. as he's gotten belligerently drunk, uh, what happens is um, Twilight has kept his cool this entire time because as a spy, he has learned to never get intoxicated no matter how much alcohol he drinks. Direct which quote, which I think is just called moderate drinking, but OK, go off, King. No, I think he's saying he can drink any amount of alcohol and not get drunk. Yeah, given this universe. They do a cutaway which says he, as a spy, he has in a, built an immunity to I think they use the word immunity to drinking or alcohol or something or that something makes sense. Like that, yeah, because we we in one of the side stories, we essentially get told that all assassins are immune to poison. <laughs> they have a high tolerance to poison. And then they go on about, you know, the line between poison and Medicaid and medicine is very thin. But anyway, <laughs> listen to your doctors and obey your prescriptions. What, what has happened in this is um, Twilight is maintaining composure. Um, someone knocks something over, probably Yuri, in all honesty. And Yor and Twilight go to clean it at the same time and touch the rag and their hands touch. And they both back away, blushing. Oh. And Yuri immediately goes, you've been married a year and you're still so embarrassed to touch each other? Kiss. Kiss, Kiss right from me. <laughs> Prove your love. And it's great because Twilight immediately goes, yeah, I can do this. I've been in fake relationships before. Yours is then, like, I, ha I can't do this sober. <laughs> Yours <laughs> like, I need to finish a bottle of wine. She pops a cork on a bottle of wine and just goes, gug, 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 gug. it is adorable how the roles flip immediately, though, because it's Twilight very much in control going in for the kiss. I can do this. And he has like an inkling in the back of his head. Wait, has Yor kissed anyone? She's being weird to how I'm going forward with this. And then she pushes him away, drinks a bottle of wine, and immediately switches over to Yor just going like, yeah, I'm going to seduce the hell out of this guy. Pushes him down on the couch. It's like, he just demanded you kiss, jeez. Yeah, she pushes him down on the couch and <laughs> straddles him. Like, it is, it is a very intimate panel. Yeah. Twilight is thrown off guard, by the way. He's like, what is going on? <laughs> Oh, my. <laughs> and uh, we then get the flashback of Yuri going, um, I want to marry you, sister. And he's like, she goes, well, I better save myself for you then. And that causes him to break back into reality. No, my sister can't kiss anyone but me <laughs> and rushes forward to block them. And essentially, um, which is kind of weird because he was the one he was the one checking in on his sister to see if she'd found anyone. So this is just an inevitable encounter, right? Feelings yeah. are not always logical, I think, is what the, the vibe is here. You're not supposed to take it seriously. In the in the moment, too, like we get prefaced when Yuri is having these emotions. Narrator Kuhn comes in and goes, he's very drunk. He is <laughs> he is sloppy right now. Because what we do get Yuri when he's sobered up a little, what he confirms is not that he doesn't want his sister to be married. He does not think anyone is good enough for her. 
Yeah, that which he does tone down. In the moment, he has a weird emotional reaction, which is, I don't want to see my sister being this sexual creature in front of me, which fair. fair. <laughs> what, what Yora was doing in this situation was very inappropriate to do in front of your brother. Yeah. yeah. Yor smashes Yuri across the room and he's like bleeding because she went like, like she's drunk now too. And she activated full assassin powers. And it's great because as he's getting up from being like horribly beat, he just goes, ah, yes. <laughs> you didn't want me to interrupt your smooch so badly. You just can't wait to kiss his filthy lips. Of course you're married. Because the running joke of Yuri just believing anything Yor tells him full stop without even questioning it goes. Oh, yeah, because Yor's excuse for why uh, he ha she hadn't told him that she's been married for a year was I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. It was a sincere face, too. And everyone's mm -hmm. just like, oh, that sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. I'd buy that for Yor. Like, it she's not she's not like full on stupid or anything, but she is such an error that I could buy her forgetting that she was married. Yor is interesting because she's not stupid. She thinks about assassin things very detailedly. She well, just does I mean. not care about anything else. We just have different strengths, guys. We have different yep. strengths. It's why their family is so wonderful, because they all have different <laughs> complementing strengths. So Yuri's like, I think it's time that I left. Do you, do you want us to call a taxi? No, I'll be fine. <laughs> he just it was stopped. not fine. <laughs> no, he wasn't. <laughs> He almost He's... gets in a fight with some thugs on the way. No, he home. does get in a fight. The next day, he comes in and his, um, I think it's his co-worker is Dominic, which is weird. Why does Dominic work? Oh, he do Dominic doesn't work with the office. He was there as someone's date. That's right. Yeah. But Dominic's like, dude, what happened to you? And he's like, I, I think I picked a fight with my sister's husband. It's hilarious because Yuri's immediate reaction. He knows nothing about Twilight. He just knows that the spy Twilight is his enemy. He has no idea that Lloyd is Twilight and specifically says, I want to get Lloyd thrown in jail for espionage. Yep. <laughs> he's abusing his power because he does not like the fact his sister got married. Which is why it's the joke is it's inevitable. No matter who she ended up with, this would have happened. It was going to end this way. My favorite bit is uh, Lloyd checking the apartment for bugs and he doesn't find any. He's like, I guess he was too drunk to put that in place. And then Yuri the next day is like, I should have bugged the place so I could get some intel. Wait, no, then I would have heard my sister having sex. I don't want that either. Ah! <laughs> That was such a funny panel, and I forgot it existed until right now. He starts banging his head on a locker like that's ah, right. No. He's telling Dominic about this too. Yeah, and it, yeah, he's like, so those were wounds were selected. Uh, we do have perhaps my favorite little storyline, just in terms of like uh, showing character growth for Twilight and. This is another situation of I enjoy this for its story potential. It does not. Twilight does not look great coming out of this particular storyline. He he comes off as much of a heartless bastard as he mm. pretends to be because, you know, realizing that Yuri is secret police. He's like, OK, does your know this? I need to find out if she does. I, 
and I can't tell and I can't tell her how I figured it out. So I need to come up with a surreptitious way to do this. So I'm going to plant a bug on her and listen in on her conversations at work. Okay, it doesn't sound like she knows anything, but I need a definitive answer. Frankie, we're going to dress up as secret police officers and interrogate her on the street. And like it's a it's a legitimate like, dude. What the. F I'm like, dude, what? The it's a fuck? legitimate. Hi. Yeah, it's a legitimate security concern, but it, it, it's so. And again, it's like it's kind of a good thing that he's the protagonist, because if this mm -hmm. would come off as a completely unlikable asshole, the reason why it's able to keep everybody sympathetic is because of the way it's framed, the lies that they tell each other. Plus, we get the mm -hmm. the entire time he's doing this, we get the internal monologue that he is. I want to say paranoid, but that's not really accurate in this sense. Everyone is out to get him. Yeah, he he is. He uh, hasn't. Well, he has an appropriate level of uh, paranoia. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they, you know, confirm through their little interrogation that she has no idea how about Yuri's status as a member of the secret police, uh, Twilight falls silent as Frankie's talking and he's like, Oh, what? Are you feeling guilty about this? Come on, man. You know, you shouldn't do that. You're a spy. And he's like, what? No, I'm not feeling I'm not feeling guilty. That's crazy. But and maybe. then. But maybe uh, because he he throws away the disguise, he runs into your. Oh, so coincidentally. Hey, how's it going, honey? Um, and, you know, retrieves the bug. And he's like, was that the right thing to do? And he destroys the bug and throws it away. And it's. Uh, like I said, he doesn't come out of this looking great. He doesn't come out of this looking rosy because this is such a it, it is an ass thing to do mm -hmm. it, as appropriate and justified as it is, given his circumstances. And he realizes that he recognizes that and he feels conflicted about it. And I'm like, oh, he is learning to love. <laughs> great, because what's happening is while he's feeling all this paranoia, yours plot line through all of this is she feels inadequate as a wife. Mm -hmm. she's gotten over her feeling inadequate as Anya's mother now she feels like she's not doing enough for um, Twilight or Lloyd mm -hmm. so everything she talks about he's spying on her is I wish I was a better wife and he's like oh no she actually just wants to make this facade feel more real oh no oh I'm being so mean <laughs> I'm second guessing her and all she wants is for this lie to work better yeah, we, we have another interlude. Uh, Yora's on an assassination mission. She misses one. He shoots her in the ass. Shenanigans ensue. Oh, it's my God. Funny. This is yeah. this is the best thing. Anya is so cool in this. Anya is pretty great in this. She foils a domestic terrorist in uh, who is <laughs> with a peanut bomb with a it's, peanut bomb. It's so hilarious because she feels like she's defending Yor with everything she does. But I 100 percent believe Yor was never any in danger. And the main point about this is uh, Lloyd, a.k.a. Twilight, is just like, you know, Yor, we should go on a date together. Doki doki. Uh, because she was in pain from getting shot in the ass, uh, she had a perpetual scowl on her face. And Twilight was concerned that... Um, the she was fed up with them apart. And then when she refuses to sit at any of their <laughs> any of their date activities, they go to the movies and she stands she's just standing. The it's unbelievably funny. Mm -hmm. it's My sad. favorite. <laughs> it's true. 
<laughs> the poor woman's ass. <laughs> Look, sometimes your butt hurts and you don't want to admit it to your date. Yeah. I mean, but you were shot in the ass. This isn't, oh, I have to poop really bad. There's a difference here. <laughs> what? But she, <laughs> she can't admit that. She's, she's hiding being an assassin. She can't admit that. She's a woman. They don't poop. <laughs> <laughs> but no, my favorite panel involves Anya, who after she defeats the... Because this domestic terrorist, he wasn't trying to do any domestic terror today. In fact, he survived an attack by the Dread Thorn Princess. And he decided that he was going to go straight after that. But lo and behold, he got a job as a waiter at the fancy restaurant that Lloyd and Yor went to. And he recognizes the Thorn Princess. My brother's in hell. This is my opportunity to get revenge for you. And Anya, you know, using all the information she plucked from his brain, completely defeats him. And the, uh, she home alones him. And it's yeah, amazing. She, she home alones him with his own traps. She even knows the name of his girlfriend. And she says, go home and make Catherine happy. <laughs> and he's like, she dead ass says to this man, go home and be a family man. <laughs> and he's like, the thorn princess is too powerful. She has highly trained child operatives. I must, I, I'm just going to continue I will quit this, this life. I will quit also, this life. It's also pretty funny because when they're going on the date, the reason Anya gets to do all of this is because Frankie was left as the babysitter. And the second Anya says she wants to do anything, Frankie's just like, I don't care. I got paid. Let's go do it. Sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So good. But anyway, at some point, the manga realized we hadn't made any plot advancement and decided to do it in one chapter. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those stars. Yeah, it's it's okay. Um, the the chapter itself is funny, so I can't fault it. But like as a plot progression, there's like no lead up. It's yeah. just one of these schemes had to work eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Though I will say, it's like she goes for academic excellence. That's a flop. She hates studying. She goes for excellence in sports. She's like not even six. Her tiny body isn't coordinated enough to do any sports. Maybe she could do some volunteer work at the local hospital. She's too much of a little chaos gremlin. She can't. <laughs> she can't do volunteer work. But thankfully, there's one other thing that can earn you one of the merit stars, and that is a uh, supreme act of bravery above and beyond the call of duty. And Lloyd's like, I could probably arrange something like that with the agency, but it's too dangerous. More uh, importantly, it will look suspicious if she keeps if that's where if all it the happens stars multiple are times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But as it so happens, while they're leaving the hospital, a young boy who needs physical therapy was going to the pool to get uh, some swimming in. And he happens to fall in the pool while nobody is watching and he's drowning. And only with the panicked thoughts reaching Anya's mind is she able to direct the adults to him and save his and save his life. And like specifically, the... she goes by herself because mm -hmm. you can't let him know that she's hearing screaming inside her head. I'm going to die. I'm going to die, which is just a terrifying thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and like she, she can't the lead up tell... to this. Yeah. Like the lead up to this is is very uh, rushed. But like, you know, she she um, she can't tell anyone that she knows someone is drowning in the pool, because how do you explain that? And, you know, it's it's very much the case where she's kind of reacting on instinct. She goes to uh, save someone. And when she jumps in the pool, she can't really do anything because she is tiny. She can't um, swim either. <laughs> so but, um, Twilight has to dive in after them. But more importantly, she does attempt she mm -hmm. dives in to try and grab him. And, and 
had she not and yeah she gives the excuse of she saw she wanted to go swim in the pool and then she saw the bubbles and that's why then so you know plausible excuse for why she did it but like the the thing that we get coming out of this is she has this epiphany that she can use these powers that have you know been a source of such you know grief for her uh to help people and like that precious smile when she realizes that like it's so cute i mean it's cute it's no heh, but it's pretty cute <laughs> And uh, our wrap-up chapter, the final chapter that we read, is Anya. She got the star and her... Being a little drama queen. <laughs> being a little drama queen about it. Her friend Becky she might is... Be, she's maturing. She is not mature. <laughs> yeah. You I now the, call me Starlight Anya. I love the big thing is apparently <laughs> everyone who sees her wearing it on her chest, everyone's just like, you know, you're not supposed to keep wearing that on your uniform, right? You're supposed to be awarded it and then just keep it. It's hilarious. <laughs> She's like, nope, we're not on my chest. And we're then not uh, on my chest. Call me Starlight on you. And Becky being the notorious bad influence she always is. She's like, so you just got thanked for that? Your parents didn't get buy you anything extravagant? Like like a like a pink uh like a second house inside the mansion grounds or a tank? I That's mean, totally what tank. do you want, Anya? You can ask for whatever. I want a peanut. You could probably ask probably. for a lot more than that. <laughs> I because anya is precious and wonderful that's probably still too small a castle that's that's definitely too big where would you put it nope either your supply of peanuts or a castle there's no in between those are the only two things i want but she does uh but thanks to uh becky she does actually decide on uh something else she wants a dog mama papa i want a dog well, maybe if we see one on sale. Well, Twilight thinks that it is a, could be a good idea. You know, they're good security and it'd be good to have around the house. Whereas <laughs> yours is kind of like, I don't know, they kind of they can be aggressive, at least in Which my you, experience. It's, it's hilarious because yours experience is breaking into places. So, of course, she doesn't have like dogs. dogs. <laughs> mm hmm. And she she envisions Anya getting eaten by a big Rottweiler or whatever. Which unfortunately, Anya reads that vision from her mind. Yes. And is like, I want a small, cute dog. <laughs> okay, I guess a small, I guess a small dog could be good security too. And we have a beautiful panel of yours still not being convinced with a tiny poodle <laughs> holding a knife in its mouth, cutting Anya's throat. Oh, <laughs> uh, and it's full set. They're tricky. And we end our reading on um, essentially Twilight saying, I'll see what the agency can provide for us. And we get these panels of these mafia thugs in this dingy kind of cell. And there's a bunch of dogs barking and we get a shadowed out one. And then we get a close up. And finally, we reveal something that looks like an otter. But I know that has to be their dog because it's on the cover of volume. Not the cover of the next volume. They're getting a big floof. And the dog the series could get better. <laughs> and I'm the just dog saying seems to have some sort of vision of them. So the dog is probably psychic, too. I'm just saying if the dog is also needs to lie about being a dog to be part of the family, it's perfect. But unfortunately, we didn't read anything about the dogs, which is why Jacob desperately wants to read more. <laughs> I really, really do. <laughs> 
So this we're brings... done with this, and we're never reading anymore, right? <laughs> what? No. no, no. Let's get in. Let's get into our discussion topics. <laughs> so, um, favorite character? I think we can all comfortably say Anya. Yeah, I feel like almost we should probably have to do second favorite character because, like. How do you top on you? An objective, like, fact. I can't dispute Uh, that. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, if we had to ask, all three of us would say the main three. Like, Mm -hmm. I I don't think I'd list Anya as my top favorite. I think I would list Twilight as my top favorite, but then it'd be Anya tied with Yor. Like, (laughs) now may her smile haunt your nightmares, and you'll have to make make that decision change. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what uh, did an atomic bomb go off? <laughs> Who that? <laughs> so I think um, I think it'd be more productive to say uh, who outside of the main three is your favorite character. For me, it is without a single shred of a doubt, it is uh, Henderson, Mister Elegance Man himself. Elegance. It's not elegant. Elegance. How unelegant to pick him as your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I think, honestly, I'd have to pick Frankie. I love that we get him as like the dingy kind, like what you expect a spy to actually be. Not like the novelized, romanticized version that Twilight is. He's the person who's willing to lie and cheat and sell things out. And he is a he's desperately needed by Twilight. Like, Mm -hmm. Plus, he's funny, and he's a good babysitter to Anya in that he lets her do whatever she wants as long as he gets to keep the paycheck. You know, that's a great babysitter. Was there any any sitting done? Nope. Also, I'll, I'll give a runner-up just because we didn't mention her. Uh, I love Twilight's handler. She does not get enough scenes. Yeah, she's she's yeah. only just been introduced, so... Um, technically, she was involved when uh, uh, Anya got the castle for yeah. being accepted in. But like, literally, her joke is literally just yelling at Twilight for, for spending so for, much money. For, yeah, for renting a castle. Which mm-hmm. I'm also going to be honest, if we see Twilight's handler, she looks like she could have been his wife for the. Yeah. <laughs> when they said all the young female operatives were killed, I don't think that's true. And and, and seriously, wasn't a majority of her job making sure that this that this mission was carried out without any, you know, hiccups? What better way to, you know, keep tabs on it than be directly involved? Well, this mission has had nothing but hiccups, so I don't think that well, was a requirement. But uh that's Jay true. And Jacob. Yeah. Um honestly, and I'm not even kidding about this. I think Narration. <laughs> narration box is top tier. They are amazing. Uh, it, it's concussive. This is cutting out. I'm not about it's, Jacob. You're cutting it. You're cutting out, Jake. Oh, damn. Um, the uh, uh, the concussive therapy. This is fiction. <laughs> I like they're sassy. Like they were the, the narration boxes respond character. It's just so much fun. Yeah, the narration box mm-hmm. is not immune to pointing out the ridiculousness <laughs> of the world we're viewing. So Actively begging the reader, please don't think this is how reality works. <laughs> do not, do not, this is, this is all fictionalized. These people are crazy. Please yeah. do make bomb, please do not make bombs at home. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um. If you were to twist my arm and say I couldn't pick the narration box as my favorite character, honestly, um, 
Becky and Damien really mm-hmm. like Damien mm-hmm. like I, I immediately liked Becky and she continued to despite being such a bad influence she's still wonderful um but uh Damien like it's not just that I like him as a character he's a super well-written character like mm-hmm. that they that they establish him having this crush on Anya but that they don't overplay it that they don't um you know like oh. you know he he's obviously fighting it yeah, the, the schoolyard crush on Anya is what made the fact that um, so many of the Anya scenes have to completely devoid themselves of Twilight and Yor. That little crush makes them funny enough for me to be like, oh, this is going to be 30 pages of an Anya story. I'm not going to miss Twilight and Yor as much because there's <laughs> going to be this added little fun. Yep. Anya really needs someone to play off of to- as because a character in isolation. Because unfortunately, how the story is structured, Yor and Twilight can basically not be there for her stories a lot of the time. Twilight, yeah. kind of, but... <laughs> he can disguise as, as a janitor or something and, and mm-hmm. scroll, apologize on her thing her and omelet. catch up. But luckily, every Anya story isn't Twilight sneaking into school. She has yeah. her own stories. <laughs> yes. which, which is great. And uh, that leaves Jay. Wow. Um... So since every character is pretty much um, named, I'll go out there and be different and say I liked Yuri. I was about um, to say Yuri hasn't been mentioned yeah, at all. I was, I was almost hoping that that would be the last <laughs> illustrate character. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, Jay, Yuri. Yep. Okay. Sorry, Jake was cutting out and I was confused. Oh, was it? Yeah, that's why I was just trying to move on to... <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, I guess just because of the situ- a bit of situational irony and the fact that their sibling dynamic is very peculiar, we'll just put it there. Um, Yuri is just... Uh, I, lo- I love how Yuri was blacked out of the sibling photo initially for some reason, but apparently yeah. it didn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> I- yeah that, was, that was very odd. Um, but I don't know. Also, yeah, are uh, Yuri and Yor ethnically Japanese in universe? Uh, Well, Yuri is a Russian name. I don't know about Yor. Mm -hmm. I'm just guessing because they have black hair compared to the rest of the cast who typically have more um, Western styles. But also because when um, uh, Yor makes breakfast for the family, it's fried tempura shrimp. Like it's it's a weird choice, but also Yor is not good at cooking. So maybe that's just supposed to be weird. I think it's also very much yeah. possible that it's a matter of um, the um, it's a matter of uh, blind spot of the mangaka. Like they didn't look up what they didn't look up Eastern European cuisine or something. It's weird because the manga's because normally pretty good about referring to things as like a Western setting. Mm, that's true. We don't we don't have uh, any vampires walking out feeling someone's evil chi. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? But anyway, you were saying about what Yuri. What about Yuri? Use your favorite really? char- side character. Oh, yes, that Yuri. Um... <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we can read that. I... Yes, he is my favorite side character, mostly because of the irony of his 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 career. Well, new career, because before he legitimately was a foreign um, service or a uh, diplomat. And yeah, it's been I, a year or so where he's had to have this shell persona put on. 
I think it's established by um, Twilight that he thinks the changeover to being a secret police officer must have happened recently. Yeah, because he's really bad at it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> bad at covering that that's not his new role. I mean, he's he's judged he's, as bad at it by Twilight, yeah, who was, is like a expert spy. Well, he's, he's up against the top here. Because but. even I, when I was reading it, was just like, dude... You don't interrogate anyone like this if it's just a, you know, nonchalant family gathering. People would really think something was wrong with you. I mean, especially if you're not a secret police officer, you don't threaten to have people executed for defying you. Exactly. Uh, So, yeah, I would say even if Twilight wasn't a spy, layman would be like that. There's something wrong with that guy. He he got aggressive really fast. Yes. You You don't touch his sister. It, it her lips are for me alone. So my answer is Yuri, and I'll leave it at that. Okay. okay. Uh, Jay picked the Siscon as usual. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Well, I'm just so, saying, everyone else was named. Everyone else was taken. <laughs> I couldn't say Anya. Uh, anyway, so um, I believe that wraps up our. Uh, our discussion of this delightful manga. I don't think we even need to talk about would you continue reading. We have all uh, been gushing this entire time. You damn well know the answer to that question. And if you uh, ask us on any of our social medias, would we continue reading this? You're being pedantic for the meme. I know you are. I see you there. How dare you be pedantic for a meme trying to reach out to our social medias at OverMangaCast. At OverMangaCast on Twitter, on YouTube at YouTube.com slash OverMangaCast. Specifically trying to unnerve Sam. How dare you do that? He works hard. He doesn't need you bothering him with your meme responses. With your comments and likes and subscribes. (laughs) But but anyway, um, I think what we really need to come down to is which of us are actually waiting for us to do a part two to read more of this? I'll oh, wait for a part two, but I have a lot of other things I can read. We have a lot of part twos, which is not a bad thing, which is not mm-hmm. a bad thing. I mean, they're getting they're getting a big floofy dog. I don't think I'm physically capable of waiting. I, I will. I will do my best to wait, if only because the next thing that we are going to be reading is something I've been very much looking forward to. So I will be able to restrain myself next week. Next Thursday, we are going to be talking about Jujutsu Kaisen chapters one through 18. Oh, that is what we're reading. I actually completely forgot about that. <laughs> I have been we learned to, something too. I've been meaning to get into this one for a while, so I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to show this off to you people. This is uh, a thing I've been following. So, ah, cool. Fantastic. All right, so tune in next week for that. See you all next Thursday. Good night. Good, Good night, night, everybody.